Myself podcast. Yeah. Y'all ready to go down this rabbit hole with your boy? <laughs> I know you all, man. That's why you're here. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're right here with me. Good boy. The real Yo. What's going on, everybody? You're tuned back into your favorite podcast. And this is your world-class host, DeVille Dion. Now, for those of y'all that are tuning in, upon release, I know y'all was waiting on this to come on a different day. I gave another release date for this, but I was feeling sporty. So, without further ado, we're going to get into uh, Growing Up DeVille, Season 3. Y'all ready to go down this rabbit hole? So, at this point, Young DeVille, ninth grader, um, and my dad. My dad, who has been an absentee father from the time I was eight years old up until now, I'm 15. My dad comes back into my life. He starts calling me. Uh, he starts sending me, you know, gifts for my birthday and stuff like that. Send my mom a couple of dollars to buy clothes for me and stuff. We start talking on the phone and kind of building a relationship. So I'm 15. And even though he hadn't been around and, uh, you know, I didn't have a bad opinion about him because my mother never, she never spoke bad about my father. At least not to us. So I didn't have a bad opinion about him or anything. He just hadn't been around. And as most 15-year-old boys, I still had this urge to want to have my father in my life. So when he came back around and started calling me, it was cool. We started developing a relationship. I found out he was living up in... uh, He was living in... uh, the suburbs of D.C. Basically, it was Virginia. Like, for me, where I live now, they call it Metro Atlanta. But literally, I live on the corner of two cities, Lovejoy and Hampton. So, if I go a mile in one direction, I'm in Hampton. And, you know, over here, I'm in Lovejoy. So, it's kind of... But my address is a Hampton address. It was that type of thing. He was right on like this borderline to where, um, you know, it was considered a part of the suburbs of D.C., but it was a Virginia address. <clears throat> so during this uh, my ninth grade year, I was getting into some things uh, that weren't so good, weren't so positive, was getting into some troubles and the troubles that I was getting into in the street was leading to me getting into some troubles in school. Uh, I was, uh, uh, at that point, affiliated, you know, with a certain organization. I just put it like that. And, like I said, it was just getting into some shenanigans, man. So, we decided that me, my mother, and my father, as a collective, decide I should go up and stay with him for a while. 
because he hasn't been around for so long. He wants his chance to have his son. He's, he had my brother. My, he had a bro. He had a son from another woman after his marriage to my mother. He had uh, gotten custody of him. He actually had to adopt him because he had became a, a ward of the state. His mom had some issues, and he was in foster care, so he had to foster him and then eventually was able to adopt my little brother. So at this point, he has my little brother. I think he was like 10. So he has one son, and he wants his other son, his oldest son, to come get to know him. And I was okay with it. So I moved to I moved to Virginia. My mom drives me up to Atlanta, take a flight from Atlanta into D.C., First time on a plane. This finna be a breeze, right? Psych. Look, at this at this point in my life, I consider myself a tough guy. I have been out there. I've been strapping, scrapping, been fighting, and all types of shit. So I thought I was pretty tough until that damn plane took off and that and them wheels went up in the front and you feel that hole. And I'm looking out the window and I can see. Uh, myself leaving the earth <laughs> for the first time in my short life and it scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh lord. But it was cool. Little, I think the flight was like four hours. We get up there to uh, get to the airport. Dad picks me up. My little brother's with me. Get back to the house. And this was my first shock was just where we lived. It was, it was in a townhouse. I had never seen a townhouse before, but it was a townhouse upstairs, downstairs. They had one bedroom set up for me and my brother, bunk bed situation. It was different than what I was used to, though. Like, they had that big-ass fat-back floor model TV. You remember the floor model TV where you, when you turn the channel, you had to do the... <laughs> and they had this box hooked up to it with this big fat remote control so you could control the TV with this big remote control, but no cable at all. Then in our room, like I said, we had bunk beds, and then we had, uh, um, and then we had this little like 13 inch TV. That was it. So I remember, I recall my brother being shocked by the fact that I didn't have any t-shirts that didn't have something on them. Like all my t-shirts either said like Tommy, or polo or you know nike every t-shirt that i had had something some type of logo or something written on and he was shocked by that because you know he wasn't coming from uh um, a financially stable environment and then being in foster care you know he didn't really have many brands so i remember that being a shock to him and so i'm in this whole new situation i got a little brother tagging them along with me, following me around. My dad's wife at the time, she was out of town on business. So I got like a weekend, just me, my brother, my dad, to kind of, you know, fill out each other and get used to the situation because I'm the new guy here. My little brother, he's been here for a a little bit now. And I remember he had this big-ass wingworm. This wingworm was like the size of a freaking, the size of the top of a soda can. And it was real deep, like a sore. He had to put some type of special medicine. 
scared the shit out of me. I did not want that ringworm. Because, see, I had hair. I started growing my hair in the ninth grade. So, at this point, I got braids. My hair is long and flowing, luscious locks. <laughs> and I, the last thing I want to do is catch this damn ringworm. So, then, you know, of course, his wife comes back in town. So, now I'm in this two-parent household situation. And we got fridge full of food. We got all types of bread, potato bread. I never seen potato bread before. Potato bread. We always had like lunch meat and and stuff to make sounds like pickles. In my house, we was in the hood. We didn't have no damn pickles. <laughs> Wasn't no money for pickles. We had always had like pickles, and chips, and just all types of crap. You know, so it was weird to me. First thing my dad does though when we. I think it was like my first, second day there. He takes me outside and wants to throw the football with me. It was one of those weird moments. It teared me up a little bit because, you know, that's one of those TV moments. The son and the dad out in the yard throwing football. And I was tired as hell. See, what dad didn't know, I, did, I was smoking weed. I was just, I was into some shit. And, <laughs> and he's got me out here running freaking fly patterns in the heat of the summer. And I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> but what he was doing was testing me out, kind of, kind of, you know, having one of those dad moments and talking to me, filling me out, because I was playing ball. And I found out that nine days after I got there, I was going to be getting shipped out to this Art Monk football camp. Art Monk, um, it was a, it's a Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. If you don't know. So he was hosting a football camp up there. Art Monk football camp. And I've only been. I've been there like two days. And I find out that in like nine days. I'm going to get shipped off to this camp. So time flies by. I don't really remember much about that first week there. But I know the time goes by. And then boom. They send me off to this camp. Get there. And you know get my room go in the room, I settle in, and I'm by myself, so dude was like, you know, you might end up with a room by yourself if the guy who's in here don't show up, so I'm like, that's sweet, I'm in here by myself, so I'm just chilling, I had threw my stuff up on the top bunk, relaxing, you know, getting ready, because tomorrow we got practice, then boom, knock on the door, dude comes in, he's got this guy, little skinny uh, white kid, Here's your roommate, his name, I don't remember. Here's your roommate, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we go through our whole little introduction, orientation and all that. We end up back in the room and we're talking to each other, laying on the, uh, laying on the, on the bed. I'm on my bunk, he's on his bunk. And that's where I messed up in the first place because he asked, where do you, uh, which bunk do you want? And I was like, man, it don't really matter. He was like, well, you got your stuff on the top bunk. So you want the top bunk? I'm like, it's whatever. I'm 15. Jumping up on the bunk bed is no big deal to me. I'm an athlete. So I take the top bunk. We're chilling. We're chill you know what? Maybe I should go to, yeah, I'm going to take a break right quick. You know, and then we're going to finish. We're going to continue on with this story. So we're chilling in the room, and he's telling me about, you know, all this CDs that he's brought. You know, he's like, I got Biggie, and I can't remember what other 
CDs he had, but he's telling me all the CDs he has. He's like, yeah, you can listen to him if you want to. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, bet, man. This dude's all right. So like I say, it, now we're in the bed. We're relaxing, getting ourselves ready because we got practice like first thing in the morning. So we're laying in the bed. And he's like, hey, man, I got a radio. You mind if I play some music? I'm on. Nah, play the music. So he turns on the radio. He's like, any station that you want to listen to? I'm like, bro, I just got here. I don't know the stations. It's like, just play whatever you want. So he puts on his radio. And his song comes on. Because, you know, up in up in that area, they were heavy on the, uh, the go-go. Go-go music is like live music. At the time, go-go music would be like live music, congos. Um, and stuff like that, and they kind of do like covers of popular songs with the live music, the go-go beat. That's all you're going to get. Relax. So, this song comes on. <laughs> Y'all may have heard of it, you may not. This song comes on the percolator. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. I had been hearing this song since I got to the area. I had never heard the song prior to that. And I didn't know what the hell a percolator was or why it was time for it. But the song comes on and we're kind of vibing to it. It's one of those songs that you hate yourself for liking, but the radio played it so much that, and it was catchy. So eventually, you know, you did start to favor the song. So the song comes on and it's, it's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. And he's down there. He's singing it. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. And I'm, I was like, hey, man, um, what the hell is a percolator? What the, what's the percolator? I've been hearing that song since I moved here. I have no idea what the percolator is. And he's like, yeah, you don't listen to that? I was like, I never heard it till I came here. So he's like, I don't know what the hell percolator is, too. I think it's a dance. Turns out the percolator was a dance. So we laughing or whatever. Turn the radio off. Now we're trying to get some sleep. Like I say, practice will be here before you know it. So we're trying to get some sleep. And Buddy just busts out of the blue. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. So I'm laughing. And I'm like, okay, dude, it's cool. But he kept doing it. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. And I'm like, damn, this dude needs to shut the hell up. So this goes on for a little bit. And I'm like, bro, shut up. I'm trying to go to sleep. So he starts laughing. And he's like, all right, man, all right. He gets quiet. And then he's like, hey, you sleep? You sleep? And I answer my dumb ass response. I'm like, nah, it's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. And then dude starts kicking the bottom of my bed. And he's not just, like, playfully kicking the bottom of my bed. He's kicking the bottom of my bed hard as shit. Like, my mattress is moving. It was funny the first time. It may have been a little bit funny the second time. But <laughs> around the third or fourth time, this isn't funny no more. And he's kicking the bottom of my bed and singing. It's time for the percolator. It's time. And I'm like, this, this must be one of those little spoiled kids who, you know, probably got 
uh, your younger siblings or siblings or whatever, and this is the type of shit that they do. I guess it was it's one of those culture shocks type of things because you don't just kick a black dude's bed like that. So <laughs> I'll try to be cordial. I'm like, man, quit kicking my damn bed. And he's like, nope, it's time for the percolate. It's time. So I finally got hood on him. I was like, bro, look, if you don't quit kicking my bed, I'm going to come down there and beat your ass. And he was like, dang, man, I was just playing. I'm like, whatever, man, don't, just don't play like that. Don't kick my bed. It's all fine to make jokes and whatever and sing a little stupid song, but quit kicking my damn bed. So we like, okay. And that's how that night ended. <laughs> so we get up in the morning. They come around, knock on the door, wake everybody up. We go down to the cafeteria. They got breakfast for us. We eat breakfast. And around this time, I'm starting to realize that a lot of these guys know each other. They went to the same schools or, you know, they played against each other. And I'm just an oddball because I'm coming all the way from Georgia. So we got to go there. We eat breakfast, then we go down, we get our equipment. And that was another thing, man, that was big to me because my, my pops took me out. Him and his wife, they took me out to get me my uh, gear for ball. And we walk into this store, and they was like, okay, what kind of cleats you want? And I'm kind of, you know, being, I'm being humble because I don't know if they got bread or not. So I picked some little, I think there was some little Reebok cleats, little inexpensive cleats because I'm from the hood, as I say. So I, I look at prices even as a 15-year-old. So I found a nice little affordable pair of cleats. I get the cleats, and he's like, that's it. I'm huh? It's like that's all you need. It's like, oh, can I get some gloves? Yeah, you can get some gloves. Got me some nice gloves. Okay, anything else? Got some socks. Uh, what else did I get? I did. I got a visor, and I got two jerseys to to practice in. So I'm set. So we're we're down. We get we get ready for a uh, practice, and they take us down and. You know, give us equipment, shoulder pads, you know, the thigh pads and all that type of stuff. And practice ensues. You know, the first couple of days of football practice is always just a bunch of conditioning and stuff like that. And I'm realizing day from day one <laughs> that like, there's some elite guys on there. I wish I had to keep up with the guys that were out that was at this camp with me because there were some elite guys there. There were some guys that was like some guys that was big, fast. And this camp went from, I believe, 15 up to, I think the cutoff cut was like 19 years old or 20 years old, something like that. So it, was, it wasn't just like a bunch of kids out there. It was some dudes out there. And that was one of the best experiences that I had, man, because the, the coaches were, these were college coaches. And some, a few NFL, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, associates, people that worked with the Redskins, but it wasn't necessary. It wasn't like the the main coaching staff for the Redskins. It was like people that was part of the staff that was out there teaching us. I learned a whole lot of valuable things about football during this camp. And then, so that first day was like, it's easy, you know, we get back to the dorms. No, for after the first practice, you go back, we went back to campus. Uh, 
you know, then we have lunch, then we had a second practice, then you finally make it back to the dorms. And in the dorms, we got one of those group showers where it's like stalls, kind of like a gym would be. There's stalls and a curtain, so you just kind of find you a spot, go in there, shower up, go back to your room. It wasn't really much to do. We had a common area, a common room, you know, you could hang out in. They had a TV and whatnot, but it wasn't really, I didn't really want to do that because I didn't know anybody. So I kind of like just got, and I got a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that was real counterproductive. They signed me up to have a pizza delivered to my room every night. So I went and got my, went down and got my pizza, went back to the room, eat my pizza, shower up, you know, and relax and get ready for that next day. But. We got the bright idea that we were gonna lose. We were gonna leave. <laughs> we we're gonna leave. We we're gonna leave out the uh, the rooms. But what we did was we talked to the counselors, the guys who were in charge of watching us. That was like they were like college guys. We talked them into taking us out on the campus. So we went out. We're walking all over the campus, just meeting people and stuff, because there's still some people. It's summer, but there's still some students there. People are coming in to do, uh, what's that called, orientation or whatever. They're doing, like, campus walks, and there's still a, a few students there taking summer classes. So we're <laughs> we're out there. We're lying to the girls that we meet, telling them that we were playing for the college, for it was either I don't know if it was James Madison or James Mason, George Mason. I'm not sure, cause I went to both at one point in time. But either way, this university did have a football team, so we were telling them that we were on the football team, and nobody was going for that shit at all. We walked up and down that campus, caused all kind of caused all kind of chaos and ruckus, which you know nobody ended up getting in trouble. We were supervising everything, but we weren't supposed to be out there. So then we and we go back to the rooms and, you know, relax for the rest of the night, conk out, get ready for the next day of practice. And now this is where things are going to get interesting. But you're going to have to come back and tune in next week for another episode of Growing Up Deville D.I., where I thought I'm going to tell you about the shenanigans that ensued for this two weeks of football camp that I was in. I'm out of here, man. Peace.